This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends and my partner in sports radio, Barnabas Piper. Pipe, we've got a fun one teed up today. This all developed because of a text that I sent you the other night. Dude, my cat just jumped up. Can you do you hear her? She jumped no, not like currently. Right, right next to my microphone. She's uh <laughs> she's right here on the desk. It's like Jane. Jane Clock. My apologies to to listeners for the declining quality of this show. We put so <laughs> yeah, much exactly. effort into the production. Oh, I know it. I know it. But Pipe, the other night I was watching an Atlanta Hawks game and uh, I texted you and I'm like, Danilo Gallinari is still in the league? Question mark. And you hit me back and you were like, his corpse is. And the, the corpse joke is a funny one. Like it, it never gets old. Um, it's, of course, referring to like guys who have been around a long time. They've been around so long that you've forgotten them. But at one point they had a name. Right. Or they were somebody that you cared about or somebody that was on your radar. And, you know, Gallinari's not a bad player. Like he's still playing a lot of minutes. And but he's just one of those guys that like I'd forgotten about, lost track of. And, and I feel like there's there's a couple key elements to the corpse thing. It's not just an yeah. old guy because like Chris Paul is one of the oldest guys in the league, but he still plays at an all star level. So like the Absolutely. corpse of Chris Paul is not in the league. Just all star Chris right. Paul is. And it's not just like an old dude, old dude. It's like a guy you remember being good, and then you watch him, and you're <laughs> exactly. like, wait, "Wait, he can't run, jump, or shoot anymore. Like he's he's just That's a right. shell of himself." Absolutely. So yeah, the the corpse like moniker, it's going to need some fleshing out. And as we go through our rosters here, so we're doing an all corpse team. Uh, this is NBA. It's all NBA content this week. Uh, I, I'm back on board with the NBA. Like I've, I've just taken a deep dive into it the last couple of weeks and I'm really enjoying it this season. And, um, so yeah, kind of getting reacquainted with rosters, watching teams. Um, it was a challenge pipe to put together an all corpse team, right? Of these guys that, like you said, they can't just be old and playing at a high level. They have to have kind of played at a high level before, or had a lot of hype before, and now they're, they're kind of at the end of it. And, um, yeah, this was a blast. This was really fun to do. So let's get into this pipe. Do you want to go like back and forth or do we just each talk through our entire roster? And now let's of let's go back and forth, because then if you know, if there's one yeah. that we agree or disagree on, we can uh, we can we can, yeah, we can flesh it out. It. Yeah, absolutely. Um, why don't you go first pipe? First. All corpse. Right. Um, my my number one pick in the uh, for, for my all corpse team is Rajon Rondo. Dude, also solid. on the Atlanta Hawks. I had Rondo as well. I've got another point guard, though, and uh, okay. we, we can get into it. But but talk me through Rondo, because I, I like that one. So Rondo every year for the last three or four years has been – well, first of all, Ron, Rondo was always a weird player because he, he was all athlete, good defense, great passer, could never shoot. Yeah. Not a player that ages well. Yeah, that's because that's it's they they rely on speed and quickness. Somehow sure. he's like on year thirteen or fourteen in the league. Oh, yeah. He was on the Lakers last year when they won the title. He gets signed by the Hawks to sort of be this veteran stabilizer, which is also funny because he's just insane. And, exactly. And and somehow he's still like duping 
GMs into giving him significant guaranteed money to be a net drag on the team. And he's he's gotten worse at the things he used to be good at, and he still can't do the things he was bad at before. Yeah, it's fascinating with a guy like Rondo where you wonder what the like replacement value on him would be. And I've got to think you could just get another point guard for – you know, relatively speaking, pennies on the dollar and get Rondo-esque production at this point. Yet, he's one of these guys that, I mean, we do this with real people too, in addition to athletes, but we assume a level of maturity just because they're old. And <laughs> just because Rondo is old, it doesn't mean he's an amazing clubhouse guy. And and like, I mean, Brian McLaren's old. It doesn't mean I would want him like speaking wisdom into anyone's life who I cared about. So, I mean, there's there's not necessarily like a, maturity and age straight line that you can draw with these guys yeah and um, i mean th- there is merit in the aging point guard thing like andre miller played until he was you know, 54 or something like that and and yeah. he did like he brought a sort of a stabilizing presence to teams and there, there's a benefit in that but rondo's not a stable person like, no he's like he's the kind of guy who's going to punch Trey Young or something, you know, or, or like choke the coach or walk Absolutely. off the court or something. So he he's a, he is a shell of himself. And you think about how he dominated in the playoffs when he was with those Celtics teams in the in the yeah. mid the mid aughts. Um I mean he was a really, really good, unique player. And he's oh, uh, he's not good or unique anymore. Yeah, he's gonna be a fascinating guy in our clubhouse on this uh on this hypothetical all corps NBA team. So my starting point guard here, Pipe, and I want to know if you've got him, uh, Derek Rose. No, I don't because uh, I, I would quibble with this a little bit because I would say yeah, Derek Rose, it. I would say Derek Rose is like resurrected, not, okay. not corpse. He or reinvented, if you will. Sure, sure, so, sure, sure. You know how Vince Carter went from, um, you know, half man, half amazing to like the best sub and veteran guy. Yeah. And, and, and so at the end he was, he was a corpse, but also he was like a lovable corpse. So Dude, he Rose, was lovable. He did what he did really well. Yeah. You, his you teammates loved him. Everybody in the league loved yeah. him. He, he was, you know, he'd throw down two, three sixty dunks a season just to show that at 40, he still could. So Absolutely. I feel like Rose is more on that track where he went from, one of the most explosive athletes in the league to multiple knee surgeries, went to yeah. New York. That didn't go well. Ended up in Minnesota where, you know, had a 50 point game, was kind of a sixth man, fell into that role. And then, you know, became a guy who's like, okay, he can, he can get hot off the bench. He can manage the team. He is a beloved teammate. He's the spotlight's totally. not on him. So, I mean, yeah. I think he's got another three, you know, three years in him as, as a, kind of a sixth man scoring point guard solid Ultimate teammate yeah, yes absolutely and, and never Mentor, young guy kind of never role. rocks the boat yeah and if yeah. there's a young star that comes in he can throw his arm around him and be like look i know what it's like to have the spotlight on you granted detroit never gets those guys so until he's on a different team <laughs> right. that's irrelevant but yeah. uh yeah i i would quibble with the corpse thing a little bit just because yeah he has reinvented himself no or, totally ins- there's gonna instead be of just getting bad yeah, there's going to be some controversy here with with these corpse rosters because I've got a couple on here that I even quibble with myself on it. But uh, but that's why we're doing this. This is a good exercise. Uh, all right, give me another one from your roster, Pipe. 
Uh, let's see. Okay, this is one you might quibble with. Um, sure. But but I'm gonna I'm gonna take a swing on it. Uh, yeah. And my a fellow backcourt mate with Rondo would be John Wall. Uh, no, I was real. I'm not quibbling because I was. I was conflicted about John Wall. I wanted to put him on the roster. I ultimately didn't because I couldn't quite talk myself into him being a corpse yet. Um, but he, he, he's got a – yeah, I mean, he's saddling a team with a terrible contract. He's had the injuries. I mean, it's, it's a – he's on that the, corpse trajectory for yeah, sure. Yeah, so and, – and here's the thing about Wall. So I, I want to leave the contract out of it because that sure. – that falsely exaggerates his decline as a player. Cause yes, he's not worth yeah. that money, but neither is anybody outside of like LeBron James and, you know, I don't For know, sure. three other players, Craig Kevin Durant or something. Um, so the corpse thing is because, you know, so he blew out his Achilles a couple years ago, missed two years, got traded yeah. for Westbrook. He's putting up some numbers this year, but yeah. he, unless he figures out how to do the Derrick Rose thing, First of yeah, all, he was never yeah, as right. good as Derrick Rose was at his peak. He was he yep. was Wall was good, but not that good. Unless right. he figures out how to do that, he is going to go the like uh Allen Iverson route where he's just like he's he loses half a step and he's useless. Yeah, so completely. He, he might be pre-corpse, but he's yeah. uh he's on his way to the mortuary. He's he's on his way to the mortuary. He's in the vehicle like uh they're trying to revive him, and uh, and it could go either way. Yeah, I was I was conflicted about John Wall, but I'll tell you what. While we're in this space, this kind of are they or aren't they kind of space, I've I've got another one for you. Um, this one hurts me uh, because I love this guy, and we we've talked I think on this program about how like two thousand years ago this guy would have been the king of the world. Um, it's Gordon Hayward. And here's my rationale pipe. Um, he's, he's scoring kind of at an amazing clip this season. Like he's, he's really scoring well, but it still somehow feels like he's done being relevant. Um, you know, he's, he's had the big injuries. Um, he's kind of gone from being, uh, oh, this guy's a centerpiece kind of guy to being not on that trajectory anymore. Where are you at with Gordon Hayward as a corpse? So I think he's way pre-corpse, but he so but he's not way pre-irrelevant. Okay. Um yeah, I think he that. I think he's on the brink of irrelevance. So, mm. you know, was rose to semi-stardom in Utah, but I think was always overrated because he was a white dude in Utah. Um yeah, an astonishingly good-looking white dude who yeah, you couldn't help but like him. When you yeah. have a nice hairline and you're white and you're in Utah and you play basketball, you're going to be overrated. Hey, John Fredette. Um <laughs> and uh so then he will, then he goes to Boston and two things happen. One, I think we realized maybe well, I don't even know if we had a chance to realize how good he was or wasn't cuz in game 1 his, he turned his ankle 180 yeah. degrees the wrong direction, which was just yeah. horrendous. And he, and then they drafted two really good young wings, or maybe they were already there. I can't remember. But Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum took over, and, yeah. and they're both better than he is. Um, sure. And they play better together. And yep. so he became a third wheel at overpriced, Now they, and they let him go for nothing. So he goes to Charlotte, and I think where he's at right now is he's going to be like the – do you remember Sharif Abdul-Rahim? Oh, Absolutely. So I think Gordon Hayward might be the next sort of Sharif Abdul Rahim where he's like yeah. 
he gets buckets on a team that never achieves relevance. And then as sure. he ages, he could be a veteran contributor to like late career. Him could be current Joe Ingles, you know, yeah. 20 yeah, minute sure. wing, good distributor, good shooter, Absolutely, but, but just kind of a glue guy. And I think he could make the transition to glue guy. So I don't think he's a corpse. I do think yeah. he's irrelevant. That, that makes a ton of sense. And I really love the like, late career Joe Ingles comp for him, but it would take like, and I, and I think this is part of the calculus with corpses. It takes a complete paradigm shift in how you think about yourself and how people in the fan base think about you as well. Um, you know, I think he's in a good, he's in a good place to try it out. Like I think the Charlotte fan base is going to love him. Um, you know, I think he could, he could experiment with, with some of what we're talking about out there. And um, I could see it, but, you know, hard to talk about Gordon and the word corpse in the same sentence, but, um, but we're radio pros, so I got to do it. Give me another one pipe, another uh, NBA corpse for you. Um, all right. I'm going to go with like the undead here. So this is not sure. just corpse. This is like, I thought I love he was it. dead four times. This is like, this is like, uh, like a I think I know character. where you're going with this and I like it. Okay. Well, going. Uh, I'm going with Taj Gibson. Oh, okay. I like but it. I as long as we're on the category, direction. let's throw in Udonis Haslam as well. There you uh, go. There were a lot of bigs that, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that fit this, that fit this uh, corpse kind of paradigm. So the, the love affair between Tom Thibodeau and Taj Gibson continues in New York this year, despite New York being a team entirely <laughs> made up of power forwards. They signed exactly. him at the beginning of the season. And, you know, I watched Gibson play for – Tibbs in Minnesota and like Gibson was a used to be a good defense good rebounding good glue guy yeah then he became a mediocre defense mediocre rebounding good glue guy uh -huh. and now he's just a glue guy but I think only in the sense of like in practice so yeah. I think Gib Gibson is the one like when you see him go on the court you're like wait what <laughs> yeah he's, he's like a He's like a bullpen catcher that everybody yeah, and, loves, you know. And, and he and I, you know, I, part of, one of the things for me for all these corpse guys is having a lasting memory of of them at their peak. And Taj sure. Gibson had the like he dunked Dwayne Wade into oblivion, yeah. Uh, in in the playoffs, you know, so when it was he and and Derrick Rose on those those Bulls teams that went to the conference finals, and like he destroyed Dwayne Wade one game, and that's that's yeah. who he could be at various points. Like he was a Put you know him next to Joe Kim Noah like they were long, yeah. they were scrappy, they were fierce, For and sure. uh, and yeah. So he's he's definitely a corpse guy. I love it, man. Those are those are great corpse guys. Um, because we're on bigs, I wanna I wanna lay one on you. I think this guy to me kind of epitomizes what it means to be a corpse. Um, in that he had the big name, so much hype. He had some a good scandal or two. Uh, now he's just like a throwing guy in trades, and he's been on a, a bazillion teams. Dwight Howard, yeah, he was on course. my he was on my list as well for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For all the reasons I just mentioned, I think I think he's there was some low hanging like corpse fruit uh, out there. He was one of the first guys that I that I drafted. He was a a corpse lottery pick. Um, who you got next, Pipe? So the next one really grieves me 
because okay. as of two years ago, he was one of the most productive players at his position in the NBA. I don't know if he was one of the okay. best, but he played on a bad team, so it was hard to tell. It was one sure. of those, like, if he got in a better situation, would he be a better player? And then he got injured in two consecutive years, and it's, uh, it's Boogie Cousins. Oh, I love that. Yeah, sure. Boogie, Boogie's a great corpse. I hate myself. Boogie's an un, he's an untimely corpse. Like he and John yeah. Wall are both on both on the Rockets right now. Um yeah. both untimely corpses due to due to injury. But like Boogie's never going to be back. He will never be the 24 and 11 guy. He'll never yeah. be the like the the super kind of freakishly skilled big man. He'll he'll probably stay skilled, but like what does that turn him into? Like a, a Marcus All without defense? Um, exactly. He's just, yeah, he's very corpsey, and yeah, and he's the one on this list that makes me the most sad. I know it, dude. I was, I was always a big boogie guy myself as well, and uh, yeah, the the decline there has been has been steep. Um, can can we go like a minute on the Rockets uniform from last night? Um, uh, yeah, if we can keep it to a minute, it'll be a miracle. But by all means, <laughs> exactly. Go. Yeah, so I texted you just in a in a rage last night. Um, not because anything really bad was happening in my life, but because the Rockets were playing in a powder blue uniform. And um, I, I hit you with a text that was something to the effect of, like, teams can't just make up colors. Like, why are they doing this? <laughs> yes. And a, especially a team with a rich uniform history, right? Like, the Rockets have, they have a good like sort of backlist or catalog of uniforms yes. that they could dip into if they wanted to do an alternate or if they wanted to do a throwback or whatever. But I turn this game on. It feels like I'm watching a Sacramento Kings game from like the, uh, you know, the late 1980s or whatever. I'm expecting to see the names like on the bottom of the Jersey and it's the, it's the Rockets. And um, I don't know, man, I just think this, this thing has gotten out of control. It's frustrating to me that we're changing color schemes. I don't like it. Well, that's the thing is like they're not even they're not even trading or changing color schemes. They're just they're just because like that would that would be like a rebranding, you know, when when yeah. you you're going to like you mentioned in our text exchange how Philly had an era of like those black and gold ones like the Iverson era. Yeah, they were, they were horrible. They were really they were, ugly. Oh, that was so ugly. Dude. That was a changing of color schemes. And Philly's more yeah. or less changed back to the red, white and blue, which is so good because they're called the 76ers. I mean, it is dude, they're the 76ers. It's the, the, the whole thing with the bell, yeah. the whole deal. Yeah. Right. So I, I think two things have have influenced this that it seems to me, you know, players started trading jerseys after games with their bros, yeah. you know, they they go swap yeah, yeah. jerseys. It feels like teams just started doing the same thing. So they're like, hey, Sacramento's got a powder blue jersey. Let's just do that. And po- Sacramento's like, I don't know. We, why don't we try green? And yeah. it, that, it, it defeats the whole purpose of uniforms. I don't know who I'm watching when I turn on games anymore. The Lakers know, were in a powder tough. blue the other night. Oh, it was awful. I think I texted you about that, too. It looked like a... Like a FUBU sweater from 2002. It was and, terrible. And here's the thing. The Lakers have a history of powder blue. When they were the Minneapolis Lakers, exactly. which is not the same franchise. So first of all, exactly. Lakers, you don't get to claim titles that George Mikan won. Second of all, powder blue is not your color scheme. You're purple and gold. And stay purple and gold. It's classic. It's legendary. It's oh, Elgin. Sure. It's Kobe. It it's amazing. magic. It's all of oh, them. Looks great on TV. The whole, the whole deal. Um, yeah, so it, it really frustrates me, Pipe, and it's really, not to overstate it, it's almost grotesque to me 
the the sort of flippant attitude that teams have toward their color scheme. I'll give you another example. This is one we talked about, I think, via text as well. But like, so the the Craig Elo era, Mark Price era, Cleveland Cavs, Larry Nance Sr. Um, beautiful uniform. It was orange and blue, really iconic, um, really good looking uniform. But then like around the LeBron era, they changed to like this ketchup and gold thing. I think they um, call it wine. Yeah, but it's awful. It looks really bad. Um, I, I don't know that anybody like identifies with it or will get nostalgic for it when it's gone. And and to me, that's sort of the barometer. So like uniforms that people thought were hideous at the time, but that have aged really well include like the like the purple Toronto Raptors uniform. Um, yeah, it was garish. It was over the top. It was really 90s. But like people are really nostalgic for that uniform, yes. I think, because it was fun. Um, you know, it kind of syncs up with Vince Carter and some, some things that you think about with Toronto, the Vancouver Grizzlies uniform has really aged well. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the iteration of the Grizzlies uniform that I'm the most excited to see when I, when I turn the TV on, but yeah, the, um, the era, the era of teal and purple. So yeah. that early nineties. So you had, uh-huh. you had Toronto, you had Charlotte, you had Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Those, those have all aged nostalgically well. They really have, and they look good. Like they're they're good looking uniforms, as opposed to sort of the generic dreck that Toronto is in now. And and I'm going to get to this in our next segment. Um, but an, an, another team that's gone the like generic dreck route is the Clippers, and it kills me because they used to have a really fun uniform. Um, so yeah, this is a this is an ongoing kind of unfolding discussion for so us. I, I have a question for you regarding yeah. why, why this has happened. So how yeah. much of this do you think is because particularly in the NBA, more than any other sport, fans are fans of players, not teams. Yeah. So like people were Kobe fans. And if Kobe at some point had gotten traded to like the Phoenix Suns, they would have yeah. been, they would have bought a Kobe Phoenix Suns jersey. People sure. are, people are LeBron fans, which just means the yeah. Lakers got a whole bunch of bandwagon jumpers. It's, and so mm-hmm. like people are Steph Curry fans, not Golden State fans. So yeah. the uniform is almost just a like, it's like a fashion show for the players as opposed to this is our, the team is not the identity anymore. The star player is, which means that if you yeah. root for a garbage team like my favorite team, like you're like, man, my star player is D'Angelo Russell <laughs> and Carl right. Anthony Towns. It doesn't yeah, even matter yeah. what our uniform is. Nobody wants that. I know, man. I know it. Yeah, you make a good point. And I think it's it's really true at the highest level, right? So if you're yeah, if you're one of these people that loves Kobe or loves LeBron or whatever, then then I think that's true. But for those of us in smaller markets, and and I would put, you know, the Timberwolves in this category too. Like, you really do like the team. Like, I like the Grizzlies. I like I like going to watch them play. Um, I like, you know, kind of casually caring about who's on their roster, etc. And, you know, the Grizzlies are one of these markets where, you know, we kind of fell backwards into John Morant, and that was great. But like, we we don't have a lot of generational sort of you know, global superstars coming through here in terms of guys that we have on our team. So you really do have to like the team. And if you're in the liking the team business, you really want it. You, you want to look at a watchable uniform. You know what I mean? And you you want to be able to identify with it. That's the thing. I think the, I think the smaller markets, 
aside, let's set aside Cleveland and LeBron because that was a weird thing because he was from there. Sure. So you take, you take Charlotte, you take Minnesota, you take Memphis, some mm-hmm. of the, you know Sacramento. Like yeah. people in the area do care about the team because it's ours. You That's know, right. That's like I'm right. a, I, I still consider myself a Minnesota guy. And so like those teams are my teams and I, I just root for whoever comes through there for better or worse in the Timberwolves right. case. It's always worse except for Kevin Garnett. And, uh, but that's not the case for like most fans who just sort of, they, they watch for pure entertainment. There's not sort of like the, sure. the irrational loyalty. So they're like, man, this Steph Curry guy is fun. Or for kids who are coming up. That's right. And they just they just turn on TNT and they're like, who's the who's the dude who bombs from thirty like nobody in history? I like that guy. Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. And so it it completely changed kind of the the pattern of fandom, which I don't think is a negative. It's just it's just yeah. a very different way of associating with the sport. Yeah, you're right. And the kids thing is a good point. And you know, even as a consumer, like just because I would never buy a particular jersey doesn't mean that. I mean, if I'm a rich dad and I'm looking for a gift for my kid, I'm, I'm maybe I'm buying him like the ninth alternate, you know, Memphis Grizzlies jersey for Christmas or whatever, with irregardless of how it looks, you know. Um, what, one more note on uniforms: the Sacramento Kings, interesting history. They had powder blues in the '70s and '80s. They made the switch to purple, um, kind of when everybody was switching to purple and black in the '90s. I actually think it's aged well. Um, they have one of the more watchable uniforms in the modern NBA to me. I, I, I like what they've done with it. Well, Thoughts on the Kings uniform. Their purple and black also has like, it was the, it was the best time in that team's history. Those yeah, Chris exactly. Weber, Vladi Divac, Peja Stoyak, yeah. Mike, Mike Bibby, Doug Christie, like yeah. take the Lakers to the brink teams. Like those were, those were NBA champion level teams yeah. who ran into the, the Kobe uh, Shaq buzzsaw. Totally. And they, and and they they also began to change. Like they were part of the changing basketball, kind of along with the seven seconds or less Suns, where big big men were playing on the outside. You know, four or five shooters on the court. Right. They were really fun teams, and so you associated that with the black and purple. Like black and purple is not usually a great color scheme, but yeah. but because of sort of those positive, like man, those totally. are fun teams. It, it holds totally. up well. I think it does too. Hey, were you a Chris Webber guy? Where were we at on Chris Webber? I hated Chris Webber. Chris Webber was a whiny baby who thought he was as good as Kevin Garnett, and uh, he wasn't. And oh, no. so it, it, there was there was a so there was a rivalry there. So the the best season in Timberwolves history was two thousand three two thousand four. That's when KG won the MVP. Yeah, and the Timberwolves beat Sacramento to go to the conference finals, where they lost to the Lakers. But KG just ate Chris Webber alive in that series. Yeah. And uh and that like I just always thought Webber was more skilled than just about any big man and yeah. just didn't have the oh. he didn't have that like nastiness to just own the league. And KG had that in droves and he was so mentally strong. I mean yeah. that was like chum in the water for him. You know? Yeah and like if, if Webber had had that that level of sort of tenacity, I mean yeah. he Assuming health, he he probably could have been one of the. I mean, he would have been right there with KG and Duncan in the yeah. best power forwards in the league conversation. Now, Duncan over the course of his career proved himself to be the best, but there was about yeah. four or five years where it was a real conversation, and they were, you know, 
He was Weber was multi talented. He was one of the most creative passers, decent outside shooter, mm-hmm. and and yeah, he just kind of he was just kind of wanted neat. no part of the ball at the end of an important game. Though. Yeah, like if you gave yeah. him the attitude of Rashid Wallace oh. or something, like he he would have been he would have been dominant. He would have been a buzzsaw. Yeah, I mean, just yeah, just dominant for sure. Well, pipe. Let's uh, let's get back into our corpse roster here. Let's do a couple of forwards. Um, I've, I, I actually found a lot of forwards that, that worked as corpses. Um, Michael Beasley, corpse. Wait, he's still in the league? Still in the league. I thought so he was like playing hype. in China. So many teams. He's on the <laughs> tail end now. I looked at basketball reference yesterday. I thought he was in the league. Let me, uh, let me verify because we can do this. Well, I mean, like, he, I, I believe you. I just yeah. – this, this may confirm your corpse. Uh, you know, I thought he was like a buried corpse. You know, yeah, no, he's he's still there. Let's uh, let's have a look. Oh, he's not, dude. You're right, Pipe. He was with the Lakers last year, and he averaged seven points, and that was that was it. So, man, I feel I feel chastened. I did shoddy research yesterday, but I wanted to believe so much in Michael Beasley as a corpse. I, I do feel like he embodies. Um, the corpse ethos and what it means. But, uh, okay, let me, let me replace him with funny, funny, Michael Beasley memory for me. Um, (laughs) so in college, he played one season at Kansas state, put up like 25 and 12 and got an ESP in the magazine cover. Yeah. I mean, he was, and he was, he was a lefty. He was dunking on people. And, uh, so that he came out in the Derrick Rose draft and I was living in Chicago at the time. And last, last sports episode, we did bad football predictions. And I, Mia Culpa Uh, my Josh Allen take. Well, I was, I was certain he was going to be better than Derrick Rose. Mm. Just, I was like, it, it was still the era where bigs dominated the game more. Totally. And so yeah. I was like, he's a, he's a power forward, but he's got like the, this was just post like Carmelo Anthony coming into the league and putting sure. up buckets, which is funny. Cause Carmelo's also had kind of a controversial career about how good he really is. Yeah, and yeah. I was certain Beasley would be like Carmelo with rebounding. And yeah. uh, boy, howdy, was I wrong! And uh, apparently, he he hit the bong <laughs> a lot harder than he hit the boards. <laughs> well said, Pipe. Absolutely, I think uh, I think a lot of people were wrong on that one. Um, let me let me give you a forward that I think does fit the bill. Uh, is definitely still in the league. Um, he was a guy that like everybody was so excited about the athleticism and the up the upside. He would have like two poster worthy dunks a season. And you would kind of come back around to this guy, but really, he's forgettable. Jeff Green, he's on my list. Yes, Jeff nice. Green is on my list. Oh, I love it. I love it. That's good. So here's here's the crazy thing about Jeff Green is, I mean, you you saw him in Memphis for a few years. Like everywhere he's yeah. gone, people are like, "Man, he's got upside." I'm like, the dude is 33 years old or whatever. He doesn't have upside. He stopped <laughs> exactly. having upside eight years ago. Uh, exactly. He now is a starting forward next to the big three in, in Brooklyn out of necessity because they traded yeah. away every other useful player. And it's just yeah. funny because I'm like, he he's going to be the guy who disappears in a big game and, yeah. they, and they lose in the playoffs or something. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I love it. I, I have a uh, – this is a this is more like a, a farewell to an old warrior corpse. Sure. Um, so it's, it's uh, you know, it's not Boogie Sad. It's not yeah. Jeff Green never realized his potential. Yeah. It's it's Andre Iguodala. Uh see, yeah, that's a really good one, man. That's a really really good one. Um, 
Yeah, talk and, me through it. Make the corpse so, argument. Okay, the the first corpse argument is his jersey number. He has the jersey number of a corpse. <laughs> yeah. He wears number 28. Yeah. 28 is not a basketball number. Yeah, it's a great football number. It's a great yeah. running back number. If you're running back or cornerback or safety, yeah. like you're wearing 28, you 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 have you got some you got some juice. In basketball, yeah. it's like you were the last one to make the cut on the team, and that was the jersey they had left or something. Like I didn't even know they printed yeah. that. Yeah, it's like uh, in high school you were you were in the bathroom or something when when the the equipment guy was handing yeah. out jerseys, and you came a little late, and you you got stuck with it. And and Iguodala has had one of the the most fascinating careers because you know he he went he he followed Iverson and was mm-hmm. the next AI in Philly yeah. where they thought maybe he would be sort of this this dominant player and he had he had good years you know average close to 20 and yeah. good defense good rebounding good assists but was never um you know was never like the dominant player then i think he went to denver where he was he kind of played alongside some other good players on some of those weird teams with no stars yeah then he goes to golden state and is like the key to their multifaceted lineups cuz he can defend multiple positions draymond can yep. defend multiple positions so steph and clay can just you know, wreak havoc. Right. And, and that's where he kind of earned his most respect. Like before that, nobody uh, knew what to make from him. He goes there and everybody thought it was a little crazy because, because he was a highly paid player and all of a sudden he's taking a back seat, yeah. but it bears out because he wins multiple titles. Then he ends up in Miami. I think it was last year. I think they, they traded for him or something. And now it's just like that, it doesn't work. And he's yeah. he's going to be the guy who's – he's going to be sort of Taj Gibson-y at this point where he his skills decline, his athleticism declines, mm-hmm. and he just sort of stops contributing but is still well-respected. So he just yeah. – he needs to get like the Viking funeral where we put him in a ship. Oh, absolutely. And like yeah. put him in there with his sword – and push him slowly out into the into the sea with the thing burning and everybody, you know, sings the dirge and Yeah. And that's that's where Iguodala's corpse status is, I think. Man, that's a beautiful it's a beautiful picture you just painted there. And uh I think very fitting for Iguodala. Great name, great corpse. Um I got another one. All right. And I I'll I'll be curious to know if this guy's on your roster. I think he checks he checks the boxes of corpse hood. But um, it was it was still kind of weird and hard to put him on the list. Carmelo Anthony, corpse. Where you at? He's on he's on my list, and I uh-huh. I think you're right. But yeah. but I think time will tell because he he's hovering between corpse and Vince Carter. You yeah. know, he corpse and corpse and Vince Derek. Carter. Like he can be Derek Roseish at he this could. point. Yeah. You know where yeah, he yeah, yeah. he is that just bucket getter. The question is, can he be sort of the consummate teammate? Because that's where Carmelo has not thrived. Now, he's coming back to Portland this year after signing with them midway through a weird year and, and being – like with and there's no negativity out of him. That's a good yeah. sign. That's a good sign yeah. for his, his, his resurrection as a useful player, but I'm not, I'm not sure yeah. yet. And he's got a play style that could kind of age well. You know, it could, it could sneakily age well. He could be around for a while. Um, so yeah, he's maybe like a young corpse. He's, he's in early corpsehood. Um, and that, yeah, if, if he, if he continues, like if he just, if he becomes a, an entirely reliable outside shooter, not so yeah. much the isolation guy, but just the, the, right. 
just a straight outside shooter, he'll be able mm-hmm. to he'll be able to play an extra couple years, you know, if he wants to do twelve to fifteen minutes a game as the kind sure. of reshape the offense guy. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I like it for him. Pipe tough to find shooting guards for me on yeah, this on this Ig- corpse list. Iguodala. Well, that's because shooting guard is like if you you can't be an old shooting guard unless you're really good. Yeah, I've you got know, one, like. Though. Oh really? Okay. Who you got? I do have one, and it and it again. It was sort of a. I think he settled into a role thing. Um, it's JJ Redick, and I, hmm. the 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 struggle for me on this with him as a corpse is that I don't flip on a JJ Redick game and go, oh, there's a guy I'd forgotten about. Like I, he's he's been around. He's got a podcast. Like he's he's a factor in other ways. Um, but he's old. He's declined a little bit. Um, I, but I was just looking for shooting guards. Yeah, uh, see, where are you I, at on JJ? I, I don't, I don't think he's quite a corpse because JJ has always been a really good role player and he's yeah. just like different shades of the same thing. So he's less of what he was, but he, yeah. he's not, he's not like useless because yeah. he, he'll be able to knock down a three until he's 70. So the question is, when can <laughs> exactly, he stop getting dude. around screens and, and yeah. that kind of thing? He's turned himself into, or at least for the middle of his career, a, a pretty decent defender, good yeah. passer. Like he, he was just part of good teams. So yeah. I, I don't think it quite fits. Because, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, if, if he's just like a different shade of the same thing. So if he was like a dark green, really good role player, and I was like a light green, really good role player, just sort of faded yeah. a little bit, but still in the scheme. Um, I so yeah, I, I don't. I'm trying to think if there are any other shooting guards up until this year. I would have picked uh, Jamal Crawford. Yeah, for but, sure. But the league now realized he was a corpse and he's not playing anywhere. <laughs> I really um, wanted Kyle Corver to still be in the league so I could put him on this list. See, Cor- Corver is basically Redick, but less multifaceted. Yeah, where he just He's a one trick, yeah, and yeah. and and just got less and less useful. The, the less of other things he could, you know, you couldn't hide him anywhere else. Um, I ask you a weird question about Corver. Um, <laughs> how handsome do I think a, he is, or what? How what? I said what? How handsome do I think he is, dude? Yes, that's it. Because I've honestly had this argument with like two other guys who I feel comfortable with having the argument about Corver's handsomeness. Um, do we think he's a good looking guy or not, Kyle Corver? Yes or no? No, he looks a little bit like a caricature of Ashton Kutcher to me. Oh yeah, yeah. So it, it's he's he's in that mold, but like drawn drawn just a little bit skewed. But if you dropped him into your high school twenty years ago, he'd be the best looking guy in your high school, probably. Right? Probably, yeah. Especially, yeah. well, and yeah, and and then when you get the like six seven and leading the team in scoring, all of a sudden, like yeah. that, that covers up a multitude of acne or whatever. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, interesting. I'm I'm glad I'm glad we had the the Kyle Corver handsomeness talk for sure. Yeah, it's, anybody, it's a necessary one. Anybody we've left off here, Pipe? Do you? I feel oh. like you have some other guys in the roster, maybe on your end. Um, that, that let's we haven't see. Talked about. I've got. I really only have one more. Obviously, there's Gallinari, who we mentioned. Yeah, for sure. There's the Udonis Haslam honorable mention, but I'm fairly certain yeah. he's sort of weekend at Bernie's at this point. Like he's been dead. <laughs> he's just still getting yeah. paid. So I love it. Um, I, Trevor Ariza was the other one for me. Oh, that's a great one. So here's yeah. the thing about Trevor Ariza is that every uh-huh. year he goes to a team and they're like, oh, this is great. He's a 3 and D guy. He's going to contribute. Mm-hmm. He's going to strengthen that team. He hasn't been a good 3 and D guy in like four years. 
He's yeah. just he's a crappy shooter. He's not a good uh-huh. defender anymore. He he's I mean he's fine, but like he yeah. when he came into the league, they thought he was going to be like a scoring wing. Then they realized yeah. three and D was a thing, and now he's neither three nor D. But every he still gets like media love as like a veteran defender and three point shooter. Yeah, and uh, he's not, and so he's yeah. he's fully corpse and a and a well compensated one at that. <laughs> That's a fantastic one, man, and and it's it's extra bonus points for when your corpse is still getting paid a, an ungodly amount of money. Um, I like it. So I like our combustible like clubhouse dynamic with Rondo and Dwight and Mello. Um, I think that gets fun with this team. Um, so who on this team, like current day, can still sell a jersey? Um, like who's going on the poster? You know what I mean. Who's going on the schedule poster for this all corpse team? I think if, if we call Gordon Hayward a corpse, I think he's he's on the poster. Uh, man, nobody wants a Gordon Hayward. Like nobody wants a Gordon Hayward jersey. I'd rather have an Ironhead Hayward jersey. Oh, uh, I would love to have that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. that that sounds kind of awesome. Yeah, I, I think I think it's I think it's Carmelo. Yeah, it probably is. And. I could see Rondo simply because he was on some really he's won multiple titles. Yeah. And so he has fan bases that probably still are endeared to him. Yeah. And then in terms of best player on this team, I think it's probably John Wall here and yeah. there. Now he again, he's iffy. He's on the brink. But I think Carmelo's so, I think Carmelo is our uh is our, our high ticket item. So if we roll this team out as is, current day, um so we got Gordon, if we're calling him a corpse, Mello, uh, Rondo. I think you talked me out of D Rose being a corpse, so we'll leave him off. Um, Dwight Howard and John Wall, let's say, as a starting five. Can we win thirty games? No. How many games are we winning? Yeah, uh, in in the twenties, I bet. South, you know, because they they if if they played the Timberwolves every game, they'd win sixty six games, but. Um, <laughs> sure. There's no shooting on this team at all. Nobody can hit a three except Carmelo when he gets hot. That's true. Um, there's no defense on this team, which is generally the nature of old people. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, like, the, the point guard game between Rondo and Wall is like, – you could have some really good games there. Yeah. Um, Dwight can't do anything anymore. You know, like right. he can – He's he can, truly a corpse. He can, he can be like a mediocre rim runner. Which means yeah. he'll get some dunks off of some, you know, some Rondo or John Wall passes. But rim running mm-hmm. is tough when nobody needs to guard the arc. This is a yeah. really bad team, frankly. It really isn't great, is it? If if Gallinari is healthy, then you get a little bit of shooting, and uh-huh. you can stretch it out a little bit. Um, yeah, we may have to call Redick a corpse just to get a little shooting, and um, or like go. Yeah, I mean, just go and. Uh, who knows? Maybe Clay Thompson's a corpse at this point. He's you know he blew out his knee twice, yeah. And so if if Clay Thompson you know gravitates towards corpse, all of a sudden we've got our starting shooting guard who can hit who can hit some threes. Absolutely, and, we're going to open up the checkbook for the yeah. the corpse of Clay Thompson for sure. Yeah, this um, is this team. So what this team is is they're going to dominate the big three. Is what they're going to do. That's true. You that's know true. that they are like who was it? Was it Joe Johnson? Who just uh-huh. ate that league up? Because you know the big three, the the three on three league that uh, yeah, Ice yeah, Cube yeah. started, and whatever. Yeah. I think Joe, Joe Johnson, former shooting guard, who played until he was like thirty eight. Big, yeah. you know, dude, he was a great corpse. He would have been a great one if it was a couple yeah, of years ago. I, this, that's the kind of like 
Rondo's going to play in that till he's 50. Uh, <laughs> I love it. That, you know, Iguodala, same thing if he wanted to. Now, uh, Iguodala is also like a really kind of entrepreneurial smart dude. So he might go, yeah, right. He'll have he better go, you know, be a stockbroker or something. Um, for sure. But yeah, there's there's some strong big three potential on this team. I could see Boogie yeah. going into that league once you know just oh, he, can't, yeah. he can't move enough for the NBA, but he can move yeah. enough for that league for sure. Well, dude, speaking of terrible teams, bad teams that are fun, um, I threw this question out to you in our pre-production meeting: favorite crappy team of all time, and then make the case for their crappiness and why they were your favorite. Um, I've got one dialed up. I assume you've got one dialed up. We we may have the same one. There's a we there's might an off do. chance because be it's, awesome. it's come up on the podcast before. Yeah. So I'm going to set aside all things Timberwolves because they have been crappy, but also yeah. the fact that they're crappy is bothersome to me. Not like oh, I can enjoy them in spite of that. So <laughs> yeah, sure. my favorite crappy team in my recollection was the Darius Miles, Quentin Richardson, Clippers team of the early yep. aughts. That's who I've got, dude. I uh, Yeah, I put down the 2000-2001 Clippers, but really this could encompass about a, a five-year window, give or take, on either side. And it it astonished me when I started looking up the records how bad they were. Like, this was a bad team. So the 2000-2001 Clippers, they won 31 games – Sixth place in the Pacific Division. Um, they had Miles. They had Q, Keon Dooling, Corey Maggette, and Lamar Odom. All as young guys. It almost felt like a Fab Five kind of kind of vibe with them. They were must see television at the time for me. Um, I think to be a fun crappy team, you've got to have like an all time NBA white guy, and they had one in Eric Piatkowski. Um, he had the Polish name. Um, Total, yeah, just total white guy package there in, in Piatkowski. They had Michael Olawakandi, who was one of the worst number one overall picks in NBA history, but they, yes, and, and he was bad, but for some reason they still ran the offense through him. Like it was like every time down the floor, you've got these astonishingly athletic, explosive guys, but you're just dumping the ball into Olawakandi every time. Um, yeah, what, el- what else on this team pipe for you? So I think the other things that make for really fun teams uh, that are bad is kind of like um, kind of multi-positional Swiss Army knife type guys. Like, yeah, if if you're a bad team and you have a traditional point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center, like you're just bad. Yeah, but when you run out a bunch of like six, eight springy guys who are yep. you don't really know what their position are, and, and you, they're gonna they're gonna dunk on somebody, they're gonna yeah. block some shots. And you don't really know what else is going to happen. Like the unpredictability is where it gets fun. And so, like those guys, yeah. they fit that bill. They had no good point guards. They had yeah. uh, they had a bunch of like small forward, power forward guys who would fit really well in the NBA today. Either yeah, you know, Maggette would be a better player today. Although he had a decent career, you look at his he overall did, yeah. stats. Yeah, um, Quentin Richardson, who was just a gunner before yeah. gunners were things. Right. Um, and then Odom, who, if his head had stayed on straight, really would have been a he was he was a few years too early. Like if he yeah. played in the NBA closer to today, he would be so valuable. But all yeah, of them were also young and stupid. Yeah, he was unspeakably talented and yeah, long, explosive. I got to cover this team a little bit when I was doing basketball stuff in the early 2000s. And they were so fun 
to watch in person because you saw all that twitch, all that athleticism. They enjoyed playing together. They were all friends from like AU ball or whatever. And um, yeah, just a fun team to to like and root for and watch on TV in that era. Had a great uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked the red jersey script Clippers era. Um, I thought it was really nice. The uniform went really south when they, um, oh, they signed who? Who is their big sign? And kind of in the the late two thousand, uh, Blake Griffin. Okay, like yeah. the uniform took it took a dive yeah. when the kind of the Blake Griffin era started, and it's terrible now. It's not terrible. I take that back. It's not terrible. It's just boring. Um, well, that's the thing is like, like when they when they rebranded and it was mostly. I mean, so everybody wanted to move away from the 90s and the early 2000s. Uh, sure. Now everybody wants to move back to the 90s. But yeah. also because they wanted to move away from Donald Sterling. So anything associated with yeah. Donald Sterling, they're like, uh, let's just rebrand all of this because yeah. he was he was a heinous human being. Totally. Yeah. Generationally horrible owner. I Yeah, I get it. And I never put that together, really. I never put together the whole uh, Donald Sterling aesthetic being a being a a factor there in the uniform discussion, but I feel like to have a great uniform and to have a, a noticeable uniform, even a team has to have one design feature that they always stay with. And for me, you could, uh, you, you can really make the argument of the script clippers as being the, the thing that regardless of the iteration, regardless of what you're doing with stripes and, and shades of colors or whatever you stay, you stay with the script and that sort of is the the anchor that holds the whole thing, um, and I think they're lacking that right now, and and it's it's disappointing. Now I'll say this about the Clippers and uniforms: their city uniform from like last year or two years ago, um, where it just said L.A. and kind of that mid '80s, uh, you know, L.A. Express USFL kind of font. That that was hot to me. That was really pretty. Um, their city uniform this year is completely forgettable. Um, yeah, I, I have with. I have one more sort of aesthetic question for you before we sure. before we sign this thing off. Um, how do you feel? Have you seen the Brooklyn Nets court? Uh, I think so. Yeah, describe it. So it's it's like it's muted gray. Oh yeah 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 the muted gray one yeah yes. For sure. And when I you know so as I'm. So you know they're they're a black and white uniform primarily, although they yeah. occasionally pull out the the baby blues as well, which is strong because that's like the Derek Coleman, Kenny Dude, Anderson, it's so strong. Like, that's those, one of those, my favorite things. Yeah, a throwback jersey is different than an alternate jersey. Alternate jerseys <laughs> suck. Throwback jerseys positive, um, yeah. generally speaking. Yeah. Uh, so, but when they're wearing their their white uniform, so they're white with just plain black text, which by the way I kind of dig, just this, the minimalist look. Yeah, they have this this muted gray court that has you know the lane and the and inside the arc and then the rest of the court are kind of different colors, but all in yeah. this muted scale. And it seems like people hate it. Yeah, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, I would be, I would be in the hating it camp, but not as much as I've hated other things. If that makes sense, like there gotcha. are other things aesthetically in sports that I hate more. It reminds me of. Uh, Eastern Michigan went with gray AstroTurf for uh, some yeah. Yeah, inexplicable reason. I mean, they're in Ypsilanti, which is like the grayest city in America See, anyway. I'm I'm um, anti I'm anti artificial colored turf because you're yeah. playing outside. 
And yeah. so like the, the lighting conditions are unpredictable. It doesn't always look right. And, right. and there's also 22 guys on a football field. So it just looks chaotic. Yeah. I kind of love it on the basketball court, especially when they are wearing, it depends on who they're playing, but like say they're, if they're in their white uniforms, their white is like return of Jesus Christ glowing level white. <laughs> it's, nice. it's, it's Shekinah glory type of, of white. I love it. And then if they're playing somebody who has a bright colored Jersey, so say they're playing Charlotte or like Toronto in their reds. Yeah. It pops like the yeah. color really pops. And you know, the standard wood floors, you don't notice it as much. They, no, you know, I, it looks I like fine. that. So it, I like that. It probably depends yeah. on who they're playing, but I, I kind of dig it. And I love the fact that they didn't stay as much as we like traditional. I think there are things you can do to spruce it up. And I think that one was yeah. worth trying. No, that's solid. That's solid. It's defensible for sure. Dude, before we wrap the show, I want to lay one more aesthetic thing on you. This is in, this is in regards to the NFL. Um, from a uniform standpoint, and from a like color schemes on the screen at the same time, this is going to be one of the ugliest Super Bowls in the history of pro football. Well, anything uh, involving Tampa is ugly. Their uniforms, ever since they got rid of the creamsicle, bad. are yeah, yeah, they're, bad. they're They're so, so bad. ugly. Yeah, the one that they pivoted to this year as kind of just an homage to like the Derrick Brooks Bucks is is better. It was more defensible than the the dreck that they were rolling out the past five or six years or whatever but uh but yeah that with the ketchup and mustard chiefs uniform it's gonna be gross dude it's just gonna be an awful game to look at i like the chiefs uniforms when they're contrasted with the right thing like them versus the bills when they were in their red and the bills were in their white was like that was crisp it looked great the contrast was nice yep yep you know if Chiefs Raiders is always just this beautiful contrast of of uniforms, yeah. but yeah, like the different shades of red playing against each other. Yeah, and that's the thing about Tampa; like they don't look good against anybody because all their colors are muted. Yeah, it's like that's muted true. red and pewter. Like pewter is not a uniform color. No, and the the only redeemable thing about it is that Mike Allstott wore it, and he could wear a burlap sack. And it would how be awesome. much better would he have been in like the in the the creamsicle? Well, we have that because his first year in the league, which I think was also Warren Sapp's first year, like they got in a season. They got in like yes. one season in the in the creamsicle and they looked phenomenal. Um, just amazing. All all timer uh level of, of greatness. But uh but yeah, Tampa, I don't know what they're doing with the uniform. Um are you excited that Brady's back in the Super Bowl? Does that move the needle for you at all? Um in I wish it was with the Patriots. I do too. Because do. as long as there's going to be a historical run of dominance, I really like it when it's like it becomes the evil empire. I really For like sure. the evil empire as a as a thing. I do um, too. Now, if he had stayed with the Patriots, I don't think they would have gone because they didn't have enough talent. But yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm just kind of bored by it at yeah. this point. I I Me think too. it's I think it's an amazing personal accomplishment, but it's a little bit like LeBron making the finals now. Yeah. I'm like, you've done it with three different teams, or I don't know, what is he on his fourth? Three three teams, I guess. Cleveland yeah. and then Miami and, and the Lakers. Uh-huh. And and it just is like, okay, yeah, you you really are. I, there's very little question that you are one of the top two or three players ever, in Brady's case, top two or three totally. quarterbacks ever, maybe the best. Totally. Um, but yeah, I don't care. And, yeah, and the the media's collective, what did I say? I called it a Brady-gasm to you, so sorry to your <laughs> listeners. 
I just, the, yeah, the, the, the fawning yeah. over him. Yeah. I'm like, that's fine. This makes me Dude, wish there wasn't a week off before the Super Bowl so it could, it could go on a week shorter. The trouble that I have with Brady right now is that he's in the, he's, he's such a rich guy. Like he's a Bezos level rich guy. And he's in, he's in the weird reptilian, like getting work done phase of his life as a rich guy that it just, in retrospect, it never goes well. You know, we're going to look back on on Brady and wish that he had just aged gracefully instead of turning into like reptilian embalmed fitness weirdo guy. And uh, it's just tougher to root for, you know? Yeah. At the same time, though, like the one thing I can't escape is that he still plays better than almost every other. Like, I think I think this year, what, four quarterbacks maybe played better than he did as a short. I mean. Mahomes was better. Rodgers was better. Josh Allen was better. That yeah. might be it. Yeah, it's a short list. Um, that and that's really, insane because he's he's eighty three years old or whatever. I really wanted Belichick to win the to win the feud though. Like when Brady left, I wanted him to go seven and nine and Belichick to like go back to the Super Bowl, which wasn't happening with their roster. I get it, but I just yeah. didn't want Brady to win that, and I'm not sure why. I think I just like Belichick better. Do you? Um, do you have a Do you have a prediction for the Super Bowl? I feel like we're probably not going to do an episode leading up to it because neither of us yeah. care <laughs> care that much. Um, yeah, we don't, which is bizarre because I, you know, obviously how much I love football, but right. by this point in the year, I just I stop caring, and um, the Super Bowl is always a little bit of a afterthought for me. But um, I think I think it might be the Chiefs and a romp, dude. I, I really do. Which will be a weird kind of, um, is Brady getting the Viking funeral afterward thing, or is he going to come back? You know, that'll that'll be some fun stories there, I guess, or some interesting stories. But yeah, I'm I'm thinking like thirty, I don't know, thirty eight to fourteen kind of Chiefs game. Um, but see, that I, being said, it's hard for me to ahead. imagine yeah. it. I, I could see the Chiefs convincingly, but it's hard for me to imagine Tampa only putting up 14 points because, like, they have a pretty good offense. They do, and they're figuring it out now. And, like, and the, a, the Chiefs' defense is not great. Yeah. And so, I, yeah, I, I think it may be more like, I don't know, 38-24 or something. And I think Tampa's defense yeah. is solid, although I think all their safeties are injured. Maybe they just were last game. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I would pick the Chiefs convincingly, but I think it'll be a lot of points put up. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. We'll have to do an app after the Super Bowl on how likable or how potentially likable the Chiefs are as a dynasty. Yeah. Uh, we'll do the we'll do the dynasty likability quotient of, of them. Not to spoil it, but the short answer is as long as Andy Reid is there, real likable. I know, man. I feel like they've got some some real likability pieces there. Yeah. Uh, that are going to be fun to talk about. But pipe NBA corpses was fun to talk about. This it was, was a good indeed. one. Um, it kind of, kind of signaled, it kicked off my, uh, you know, deep dive back into the NBA and, um, this will be fun. We'll do this again, uh, real soon. So pipe, we have done what we always do on this program in that we've wandered to and fro throughout some topics about sports and uniforms. Um, and until next time, Corey Maggetti. The happy rant is brought to you by resonate recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with.
Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hard-working pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.